The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the print industry each month. This is the first episode of the new year. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print 21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Houston, publisher of Print 21 and of PKN Packaging News. And welcome all to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. Well, Wayne, as ever, we have a lot to discuss this month. Let's start with changes at the top of two of the biggest print businesses in the country, Southern Impact and Pegasus Media and Logistics. Yeah, Linda, as you say, two of the biggest in the country, and they start the new year. They both start the new year with new CEOs, uh, Pegasus Media and Logistics. Mark Atkinson has just been appointed CEO there uh, by the board, of course. He succeeds Kevin Slaven, who's actually only been there for 18 months. Um, he was brought over from Ovato, as Ovato was... Uh, going into the uh, end of its story, Kevin came over 18 months. Uh, well, people will make of that what they want. Uh, Mark Atkinson joined Pegasus also from Avato. Actually, last June, he came over as general manager of operations. Uh, he has a 27-year track record in print, um, and including many working in many well-known names, which many of in the industry would know over the years. Rotary Offset Press, Williams Lee, Offset Alpine, Griffin Press, PMP, and Avato. Frank, the, the, there's a new CFO also. At uh, Pegasus, Frank Schapter joined the business. He succeeds Harry Dingle, and the board said he's been he's joined to become a driving force, and uh, that's kind of what we understand uh, the board want from the new team to really drive the business forward, uh, rather than uh, what was happening before under the team that was there previously, only for a short time. Wayne Pinkeldy, of course, well known in the industry, he was there for 23 years as CEO before he stepped down, and uh, Kevin Slavin took over with sales of 80 million dollars thereabouts. We haven't seen any accounts recently. Uh, Pegasus is very much in the top tier of independent Australian print businesses. 200 staff now all consolidated into the one site in Blacktown. And they brought over SAS Print and Media last year or 18 months ago. Um, they've got a pair of 10-color B1 presses, a massive Roland 806 they use for display work, various new technology in the inkjet side of things. Interesting board, Sir Michael Bromley, based in Singapore. He owns 83% of it. And Jerry Anderson, he owns 17%. Um, and there's a four-person board there. 18 months ago, those businesses, the four businesses in the group, all came together. It's a diverse operation, which is very much what you need these days uh, to be uh, uh, that size. And meanwhile, over at Southern Impacts, based in Melbourne there, of course, Pegasus based in Sydney, uh, Southern Impact, it also has a new CEO, uh, Heath Nankervis, from the uh, well-known Nankervis family of print. He's taken over from Rod Dawson. Rod Dawson, 26 years as CEO. He really built that business up when he took over. It was a struggling business. It was a commercial offset print. That was all it did. It had uh, been drifting for a little while. Rod went to new shareholders. They bought the company. They backed him completely over the years. They've invested strongly in new equipment, the best in class new equipment. Rod Dawson took them into new markets, into inkjet, into logistics, into warehousing, uh, into wide format. Uh, they bought the, for instance, they bought the first new HP Indigo 15K in the country, very big uh, Heidelberg house. So Heath Nankervis now has a uh, terrific platform to take the company forward and to continue its uh, position in the industry as as Pegasus, as these leading lights, the big companies that uh, the industry uh, needs uh, to to uh, generate its own position in the market. 
Well, of course, Pegasus and Southern are both major players in the offset litho sector, and offset litho is still the predominant method of production in print, as I understand it, Wayne. Now, this month, Print21 reported that industry supplier Screen celebrated a major milestone with the 20,000th, if I get that right, 20,000th installation of one of its CTP, that's computer-to-plate systems. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's right. You're right about both those companies. They are both uh, offset print businesses at their core, though, as I said earlier, they, they're very diversified now. Offset print is still the majority of the industry, although it's a it's a market, it's a sector of the industry that's not growing strongly. Uh, it's a level at best, uh, but nonetheless, it is still the majority in terms of the money that comes into the industry. Screen uh, launched its first computer to play system at Drupal in, back in 1995 as part of a wave of devices. Several came out at the same time. And at the same time, digital inkjet proofing systems, initially on the Epsom with some fancy software. Uh, it was all poo-pooed by the kind of purists at the time who were used to taking their plates to trade houses to get them done. But because of the money, the time, the turnaround, uh, they enabled the eight-color and ten-color long perfectors uh, mainly from Heidelberg and Komori, to come into the industry. And that had a huge effect. The whole graphic repro industry, uh, the repro houses that were so predominant, uh, every town had several. Uh, they were basically wiped out in five to ten years. They were, that whole sector of the industry was gone. As printers brought prepress back in-house because of the simplest simplicity of the system, the brilliance of the CTP systems enabled to be able to faithfully reproduce halftone dots on the plate and at speed, and at low cost uh, compared with the old method of sending out to trade houses. By the end of the century, any printer worth its salt was running long perfectors, mainly Heidelberg, Fucamores, as I say. Uh, and uh, Screen was, of course, one of those pioneering systems. And as the years went by with mergers, acquisitions, strategy changes across various developers, it became the dominant manufacturer. Its systems often rebadged under some of the biggest names in the industry. And its success was all the more remarkable because it didn't have a plate line to, re to, to bundle. And the big companies, Agfa, Kodak, Fujifilm, would sell their CTP systems in much the same way that Officeworks today sells a inkjet printer. In other words, as, as really a vehicle to sell the consumable. Uh, but a screen didn't have a consumable, but nonetheless, its products were recognized as so good that people bought them anyway. Well, that is certainly a terrific story there, all about offset litho, Wayne. And all at Print21, of course, wish both Heath Nankervis and Mart Atkinson the best of luck as they steer their respective ships. Now, you have outlined how those businesses have adapted and changed over the years and seem set for growth. And can I just say, as an aside, I'm always terribly impressed by your extensive knowledge of the industry, Wayne. But the year has also started with two very well-known businesses on the supply side hitting headwinds and going into voluntary administration. We don't like these stories, but we do report on them. So tell us more. Yeah, both were a surprise. All Flags, uh, based over there in Perth, but a national business, and Style Eaton, based here in Sydney, also a national business. A surprise because they were both well-established family-owned businesses, or a surprise because they both operate in the wide format sector, which, as our readers know and our listeners to this podcast know, it is still a growing sector and has been for the past 20 years. Uh, well, both actually, Linda. I was surprised be because they were both uh, well-established businesses and they both operate in that wide format sector, as you say. Um, all flags, uh, which went into voluntary administration, 
uh, and which was, in the words of its owner, uh, on the brink of extinction, is actually back up and running. It's been bought out of administration and liquidation by its new owner. Uh, Peter Wagner, a well-known figure in the industry, uh, he developed that business over 30 years, and it was quite, or was, is quite an innovative business, bringing in display graphics of all kinds of uh, innovative and interesting ways that really uh, are all about uh, grabbing attention for the people that use them, whether that's uh, retailers or exhibition, people at exhibitions or events, sports grounds, that kind of thing. Um, now the company is owned by an uh, entity called Silverview Holdings, Bit of a mystery. We don't know who they are. And also, uh, Jesse and Daniel, who are Peter Wagner's sons, they own 25% of it. However, unsecured creditors, they're not going to get uh, unlikely to get anything because uh, the business owes at least $4 million, $4.4 million, I understand, to the ATO. Peter Wagner says that uh, his trouble started because an employee failed to file returns to the ATO during COVID to the tune of $2 million. ATO eventually cottoned onto it, twigged, and slapped a $2.4 million fine on the business for that. So that became a $4.4 million debt that the company had. Uh, and there's the, the company traders, all flag signs and business, all signs, Europols, Pennant House. They, and it was a dramatic, confusing few weeks for Peter Wagner, for the businesses, and for all of us. The business was in, in administration, then it was in liquidation. He was moving, he wasn't moving. Uh, all the kit was up on Gray's Online. Then it was all taken down a day later um, as the money came in. So from Allflag's point of view, it seems to have been a cash flow issue exacerbated through COVID, of course, because he was based in Perth. So big problems getting product out to the rest of the country. And then the fine. That's back in business. Uh, Star Leeton, the family-owned business, started in uh, 1978 by Peter Eaton, now run by his son, Ben Eaton, since uh, 2017. Uh, that is uh, also a national business, offices in virtually every capital city, or offices warehouses in virtually every capital city. Well established, only a year ago, it moved its main headquarters in Sydney uh, to a brand new, bigger premises. It's operating in a very um, uh, competitive market. You're right, Lindy, wide format business has been growing for the last 20 years nonstop, apart from a couple of quarters under the GFC. But Starlington's operating in, in an area that has a the two big paper merchants, Ball and Doggett and Spices, have come in strongly in recent years into wide format as they've seen opportunity there. And then there's eight or 10 uh, seriously strong competitors as well in that field, and likes of Graphic Art Mart, Ricky Richards, Texas, HVG, Custom Wolf, Avery Dennison, Spandex, Oracle, big companies. And also every manufacturer that supplies wide format kit also supplies consumables. We don't know the reasons yet why Style Eaton hit the skids. But it is a, a very competitive area to be working in and now to be operating in. First creditors meeting has just happened where they uh, just lay out the lie of the land. So we'll wait to see what I'm saying, whether that business, uh, we imagine it will be bought possibly by one of the bigger players in that industry. Yeah, well, we'll wait to see what happens. And to go to the point of your point about wide format still being a, a thriving sector, when we look at the upcoming FESPA wide format show in Amsterdam this year, it's going to have 500 exhibitors. That doesn't suggest an industry that's struggling. No, that's right. It doesn't at all, Indy. And Vespa will be bigger than ever before. So the industry as a whole isn't struggling. But as more and more people have seen opportunity there, and particularly those two, Ball and Dog and Spices in, in our country, in this country, um, the, the uh, competition to supply to that industry has obviously intensified significantly. Uh, Vespa Global, 500 exhibitors. It's a four-day show. Interestingly, it's only eight weeks before Drupa. 
the organizers of FESPA, I asked them about that, and they said, well, 80% of people who, who exhibit at FESPA don't, advertise, don't exhibit at Drupal. Of the big players, um, most will do uh, one or the other. Agfa, for instance, is only going to FESPA, uh, not to Drupal, although now it's got its tie up with EFI. Some Agfa products possibly will be at Drupal. But it's a, it's a, it's a big show. Um, there's three related shows there, Sportswear Pro. For anyone interested in what's the booming sportswear print industry, uh, that will be a good show. There's a sign expo and a personalization experience there. So FESPA, that show is just getting stronger and stronger as the years go on, which, as you indicated earlier, Lindy, is indicative of an industry that's getting stronger and stronger. Well, can it support all the players in it? That's a good question. Indeed. Well, since we're talking growth opportunities, uh, one area that only very few Australia or New Zealand print businesses are looking into is to establish an overseas printing operation. Now, there are a few. Easy Science has opened a site in Pennsylvania and is planning another in California. And QLM Label Makers has plants in several Southeast Asian countries and, in fact, has just opened a new $22 million, 6,000 square meter manufacturing facility in Ho Chi Minh City. So, it, and this it says is in order to meet increasingly diverse demand. So, there's definitely opportunity there, Wayne. Yeah, well, QLM is one of the uh, Simon Pugh's running the business, a family-owned company, uh, started by his parents. Um, it is uh, has really seized the opportunity. The Ho Chi Minh plant is one of four countries that uh, QLM now operates in Asia, and you could look at it from the outside and say, how can an Australian business? Make, make a success in diverse countries across Asia, in Malaysia, in Bangladesh, in Vietnam, as QLM has done. Uh, but QLM is showing that it can actually be done. And the, the combination of uh, the experience of QLM in, in the technology, the manufacturing, and the local market expertise, the local people, uh, shows that that um, combination, that uh, expansion uh, can actually happen. And for Australian businesses, the overseas market, well, as we know, the Australian market is limited in size. Overseas, not so much. Yes, yeah, certainly it is. There is a ha happy hunting ground for Australian businesses. One of the most successful examples, of course, um, coming from the packaging and printing and converting as they do it in their business is Visi, uh, which has expanded in the USA, which Anthony Pratt, son of the founder, Richard, has achieved remarkable success with, building a huge business over there. Uh, these markets, the USA, Europe, they have 350 million people. Asia has a billion. Our nearest neighbor, Indonesia, is 250 million, 10 times the size of Australia. So as you mentioned there, they do offer real opportunity. We've had a couple of businesses in the packaging sector also linked to printing. Of course, everything that is packaging gets printed in some way. Mm. Close the Loop Group, um, a company that listed on the ASX and is focused. They listed in uh, about two years ago and they are primarily focused on recycling and driving a circular economy for several materials. They are very successful now with operations in the US as well. They've also got operations in other countries in Europe and in South Africa. And um, Biopack, a company that supplies materials into um, sort of printed cups and so forth uh, for the fast food or the, or the food service sector. They've just announced an expansion into Hong Kong. So people are looking offshore. We've got Planet Protector Group, uh, which is a company, a packaging company that uh, provides insulated packaging using wool technology as the insulation material. They are now looking to expand. They've just raised $12 million through 
impact investors and they're looking to expand to India because it's a huge market there for them where lots of pharmaceuticals get transported in uh, printed boxes. I'm using the word printed so that I'm making that connection all the time. But yes, this is packaging expansion, um, but it is across the board, certainly. Yeah, well, that's right, Lindy. Printing and packaging and overseas markets, it is an opportunity. Though a recent issue of uh, Print 21 magazine, we had a big focus on Easy Signs, a feature on those guys. A fantastic story of two young guys who've come into the industry, married new technology in terms of online web to print ordering with what they can do and grown a huge business here in Australia, and then have done a similar thing in Pennsylvania, of all places. Well, I say of all places, of course, Pennsylvania is part of the eastern seaboard of the USA, whereas 100 million people live within about a five-hour drive of their plant. And now they're looking to the other side. So it's uh, obviously, it's a big undertaking, uh, but for companies looking for big growth, that's where the opportunity is. Uh, interestingly, you mentioned uh, Anthony Pratt there and Vizzy. In America, a fantastic story, of course. Uh, and cardboard, Richard Price's father, of course, was known as the cardboard king, is becoming a major opportunity now. Opal, of course, just opened a $140 million corrugated plant with flexo printing lines. All offset press manufacturers have carton printing options. And research agency Smithers, they're predicting that paperboard, which they mean corrugated folding cartons, liquid paperboard, that's still the largest material segment of packaging, uh, and that's going to uh, accounts for 32% of world value now. That's going to grow at 4.2% CAGR through to 2028, next five years. 4.2% doesn't sound a lot, but actually that's gonna, that will total up to about a third. So it's a big market already, and it's going to grow by about another third in the next five years. So for print businesses looking for opportunity, well, you should be looking at cardboard. Well, yes, but you should also be looking at flexible. <laughs> Smithers also says that flexible packaging will grow by a similar amount. Um, so really there's, and flexible really lends itself quite well also to digital printing, as you know, with companies like um, EPAC and so on already doing really successfully in the, at the smaller end of town, supplying digitally printed pouches to startups and SMEs. Um, and then there's the big big end of town, the Amcors supplying to Nestle and so on. There is no doubt that packaging printing is the biggest opportunity for print businesses. And um, in the coming years, we're going to see a lot more of that. We're going to see it at Drupal Wayne. We're going to see a little smidge of that coming through at Apex, the Australian Processing and Packaging Trade Show, which is coming up in March right here in Melbourne. Um, and this conversation is one that we'll be continuing. Now, one man who saw that packaging print opportunity earlier than most was Tom Lush. He's the founder of Platypus print packaging in Queensland, which he built from scratch into the biggest folding carton printer in the state. And very sadly, the industry is now mourning a loss as he passed away just as the new year began and far too young, Wayne. Yeah, that's right. It was a tough start to the industry. Tom Lush was a very well-known character, a very well-known leader in the industry. He was a pioneer. He was an innovator. He was a strong advocate for the industry. And he was very generous in his support, not only to uh, friends and co co colleagues, but also to rivals. Anyone knocked on his door, asked for a bit of advice, he'd be more than happy to give it. Uh, it was it, It's a really tough story. He wasn't even 70 years old. Um, so that was a very difficult start for the year. Uh, one of his sons, uh, Aaron Lush, who's now CEO, director, managing director of the company, he said that his dad's success came from his ability to progress and adapt. He was always looking to move ahead, unafraid to try new things. If it didn't work out, he'd try something else. He would say yes to everything. And then if he didn't know how to do it, work it out as he went along. So he's a great uh, inspiration for many in the industry and the, the forums on Print21. 
and uh, across the industry have been awash with uh, print identities, uh, expressing their thanks to him for his life. So yeah, it was a, it was a tough, uh, tough moment for all of us. And just as sad was one of Tom's contemporaries, Gordon Anthony's, the well-known paper man who knew Tom well, who has also passed away. Yeah, that's right. Sadly, they were actually friends. Uh, Gordon Anthony's well-known person in the uh, Australian p- print and paper industry, starting with Spices, uh, and then he was involved with Paperlinks, uh, Edwards Dunlop, CPI Group. Uh, so many of the uh, big names in print before it became just the, the two big merchants Gordon was involved in. Uh, and uh, sadly, he too has passed away. So it was a, it was uh, tough news all around for many in the industry at the start of the year. They were both, though, uh, pioneers. They recognized the need to keep moving forward, to invest, to try things. If it didn't work, try try something else. And consequently, they both went on to develop great careers and lead great companies. An inspiration to all of us. Yes, there's no doubt they made a significant contribution, both of them, to the development of the industry. And um, what they would be wanting the industry to do is exactly that, keep moving forward. So on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We do value your feedback as always. That's it from me, Lindy Hewson, saying goodbye. And it's goodbye from this episode of The Print Fast from me, Wayne Robinson. We look forward to you joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.